there guys welcome to another episode of the great chicago rebuild podcast this is logan bradley i know it's been a little while since we dropped one of these but that we got a extra special one today as we have an interview with former stanley cup champion jamal Mayers. he's currently an analyst with nbc sports chicago and just overall a great guy so we had a great interview with him we'll get to him in a minute but first we gotta talk about two depressing topics The first one being Michael Kopech. So news came across about a week and a half ago that Kopech is going to need Tommy John surgery to repair a torn UCL in his elbow, which means that he is going to miss the 2019 season and really can't be understated how big of a blow that is, not just to the White Sox, but to Kopech's development as a pitcher. He showed some really good things in the extremely minimal amount of time that he got to pitch in the majors this year. And yeah, there's there's really no two ways about it. It's really pretty shitty. And, you know, you can look at it completely as a negative. I mean, it, it only is a negative. There's nothing positive to it. Or you know, you can just start looking towards some of these other pitchers that are going to start to come up pretty soon, guys like Dylan Cease, and just be excited about those guys. It's not going to take the sting away from Kopech being gone and, again, missing that development, but I'm really looking forward to Dylan Cease, and I'm trying to stay as positive as I can as this season comes to a close. At least I'm not Jose Abreu, who recently had surgery on his testicles, so got that going for me, I guess. Speaking of testicle surgery, I guess we should talk about the Bears-Packers game that was on Sunday night because that was miserable. It couldn't have been more of a tale of two halves. The Bears looked like the 85-86 Bears in uh, the first half and then proceeded to allow Aaron Rodgers to be Aaron Rodgers in the second half. And if we know anything as Bears fans, it's that you're gonna lose Even if Aaron Rodgers is playing on one leg, you're going to lose if you play conservatively and you allow him to kind of do whatever he wants because he is one of the few quarterbacks, him and Tom Brady, honestly, that can do that sort of thing. So try not to think about all of that awfulness and more focus on, gosh, the positive. Khalil Mack looking like the guy that you want him to look like after you trade for for a top three defender I couldn't be more excited about that I mean gosh I had conversation with some buddies and um, a fantasy football league that I'm in and they they're fans of different teams obviously I'm a big Bears fan and when that first happened I was kind of bragging about the trade and they go oh you gave you gave up two first rounders and all this you gave up way too much terrible trade the Bears got played and I was immediately like, well, you guys know nothing about football, then you can have that opinion, but you know absolutely nothing, and took Khalil Mack probably 10 snaps on the football field to prove me right, so uh, Ryan Pace is going to end up looking like a genius for that, and pretty excited about that, so yes, 0-1, yes, Aaron Rodgers played us like a fiddle, but a lot to be happy about. And for God's sakes, guys, don't panic about Mitch Trubisky yet. He's essentially still a rookie and he's learning a a very complex offense. So let's let's give him let's give him like eight games before we start to say that he's not who we hoped he would be. I see a lot of people panicking, so let's uh let's let's just cool it on that. Without further ado, we're going to get to our interview with Jamal Mayers here. We're going to talk a little bit of Blackhawks as we head into the hockey season. Uh, Just to point out, we had, unfortunately, a few technical difficulties with our microphone. So, unfortunately, some of the interview with Jamal was cut out. So, we had to do some maneuvering with the editing that included the end where we thank Jamal very much for being there. And I just want to, you know, add that again. Jamal 
didn't have to come on. He was awesome, gave great answers, uh, gave us his time. So can't tell you how much we appreciate that. And uh, we hope you enjoy the interview. All right, guys. So we are here with 2013 Stanley Cup champion, obviously way cooler than both Alex and myself, uh, NBC Sports Chicago analyst Jamal Mayers. Uh, thanks for being here, Jamal, and taking some time. Absolutely. Great to be on with you guys. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So to get just straight to the hard-hitting questions, you, like I said, you were a Stanley Cup champion, but there's another moment in your career. you you got to tell me which was the bigger, more pivotal moment. Was it winning a Stanley Cup or getting to punch Rafi Torres in the face? <laughs> well, I think uh, winning the Stanley Cup was the uh, pinnacle for me, but uh, close second was... was uh, into it with Rafi, and uh, <laughs> I would have been happy if it went on a couple more minutes longer, to be honest. <laughs> I bet. Um, speaking of fighting, I just like, from a, a person who's like 140 pounds and would never be able to fight anyone in their life, was there ever a fight that you went into in the NHL where, you know, you didn't say anything, but maybe in the back of your head you were kind of like, oh, this, uh, this, this might not end well, and who maybe was that? Uh... I think I was scared of every fight. I think, <laughs> I think uh, if you're not scared, then that's when you leave yourself open to get, to get hurt. So I think that anxiety and that angst and you know, getting ready for, you know, when you know you're going to engage in a fight is nerve-wracking and it, it does, it, it, it becomes fearful in, in the moment. But, uh Obviously, depending on who you're lined up against. Now, let's not make any mistake. I was not a heavyweight by any means. I <laughs> uh, never claimed to be. That really wasn't my weight class. But there was a time when I was like, I ended up getting squared off with Donald Brashear. I mean, he's a lefty as well, and there's just a lot of negative things involved. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he did six one, two twelve, and he was probably six three, six four, two thirty. So. Uh, I, I didn't like my chances in that one. I, I might have slipped on a banana peel like, <laughs> on purpose. Right. That's right. Sometimes you got to take the dive. Um, so I've got a, a real quick anecdote, and then it'll lead to a question. So you were on the 2013 team that beat the Bruins. So I was watching that game. We're from the Chicago area. I was watching that game at a friend's house, and we were in his basement, and the rest of his family was upstairs. And uh, the TV we, we were watching on had about a 13, 14-second tape delay on it, and theirs didn't. And so we heard them scream when you guys tied it up, what was it with about like a minute 10 left in the third and then as we were celebrating then we heard them scream again and we couldn't really believe that you guys actually then took the lead in just 17 seconds so my question for you is what was that moment like for you on the ice without a tape delay without a <laughs> family screaming to spoil the you know one of the greatest sports moments i've ever seen in my life and yeah what was that moment kind of like for you and what it was like on the bench and whatnot Honestly, you just kind of resign the fact that, you know, in all likelihood, we're going to end up going home yeah. for Game 7. And uh, it actually happened so fast, you didn't even realize it. And I think Bowley thought it was overtime. That's why he dropped his gloves. And, <laughs> and uh, we had to remind him the game wasn't over. So, but, uh, just like the fans, the, for, for us, it was, it was surreal. It was unbelievable to think that we could come back and, and win the game. And... I think uh, must have been heartbreaking for for the for the Bruins who you know 
as, as the years have gone on, I thought about how they must have felt. I really don't care, but I, <laughs> I, I did hear Lucic the other day talk about it, one of the most devastating minutes of his hockey career. And, you know, it's it, it was an amazing experience, an amazing feeling, and just a great way to uh, end my NHL career. Yeah, I mean, I'd say you can't get much better than that. Uh, not, not really quick. You know, don't worry about Boston fans. They've got Tom Brady That's what I was going to say. I think they've had enough sports <laughs> success. Yeah, they're doing fine. It was, not, it was time for us, you know. <laughs> um, so, so, so a guy that was on that team, obviously your teammates with Marion Hosa, and I, you know, just coming from obviously someone who's been in a locker room with him and been on the ice with him, how great of a teammate was he? And then how much do you really think him being gone last year, you know, was was part of the. How how big of a problem do you think that was for the Hawks, and how much did they miss him? Well, I don't think it can be understated. Um, he's probably the most humble superstar player that I've ever played with. I think you could easily point to him being the reason why the Hawks were able to win and have the success they had, winning three cups in seven years. It could be traced to. Know, the, the moment that Hosa became a Blackhawk. And, you know, you think about it, this is the guy who, previously to coming to the Blackhawks, had gone to the finals, I believe it was with Pittsburgh first, lost, then went to Detroit. Who does that after just going to the finals? But he realized he had a better chance to go with them, goes to them, loses again in the finals, which now you've gotten to the finals twice, now you think, okay, he's just going to stay there. Nope. He's got huge stones to be able to do that. It's a consummate gentleman and a, and a professional where he carried himself and the way that he prepared. Just a great example. What were those practices like with those teams that did win the three cups? No, I think the thing was just that their, their lack of complacency. I think that's what separates them from other great players in the league. They continue to want to push that envelope. I remember distinctly my first practice in a battle drill with Hosa. Skating is probably what kept me in the league as long as I played. So I'm pretty strong on my skates and not, he did knock off the puck. The kitchen set me up with, with Hosa on purpose and, and I couldn't move him. And he was getting a good chuckle out of it because he knew it. He knew how strong Hosa was and I had no idea. Finished the drill and I'm just looking at him and he's laughing and I'm like, God, are you kidding me? How strong this guy is. So that was interesting. You know, you're not supposed to be that skilled and that strong. And I'll tell you another quick funny story. When I met John, Johnny Jonathan Taze, he had played for Team Canada. He was the only college kid that came and played for Team Canada for the World Championships. I was already 10 years into my career. Uh, and he came and played in our team and started the World Championships as our fourth-line center. At the end of it, he was our second-line center. He was playing on the power play and doing amazing things. and was contemplating going back to school. I believe he still had another year of school and was disappointed that he lost in the Final Four. And we were telling him that you're ready to go, uh, you're ready to play in the NHL. One of the guys who obviously had a little bit of a disappointing season was Brandon Saad. I know he had a super low shooting percentage. Is there anything that he needs to change for next season? For me, he's still a young guy, and let's not forget. Still mm-hmm. learning his way and learning to fight through things. He's going to play against their other team's you know, top four defense. Liam, it's about getting to the inside. He'll not only create room for his line mates and himself, but that shooting percentage will go up. And another quick question, who are a couple guys like Saad who you think need to step up next season? I think you're going to have to have guys like Schmaltz even take another step forward. I think the Hawks are really going to need uh, Dylan Secura to become 
a player. I'm not sure what he's going to be. There's a lot of question marks, obviously. And having said that, you also are going to need rebound seasons from the Brennan Saad and Jonathan Taze. A lot of good, a lot of things have to go right for this team, and Corey Crawford's got to be healthy as well. And you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but. Uh, there, there still are a lot of question marks. With all that being said, this is I know this is kind of a tough question, but in your opinion, what would you consider maybe a successful 2018-19 season for the Hawks? Well, the standard that's set by, by Rocky and John and, and Jay and, and, and the entire organization is to win Stanley Cup. So that's the ultimate goal. And I think that uh, for me, it doesn't matter where you finish in the regular season, to be honest. I, you just got to get in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, anything can happen there. And this team's proven that they have big game players that can step up in those crucial moments and take over games and rise to the occasion. But for me, it's just about getting to the playoffs. And uh, I think that's the goal. And it's not going to be easy. I think the division that the Hawks are in got stronger. Dallas is going to be better. And obviously, Nashville and Winnipeg have really risen. I look for Duncan Keith, Jonathan Taze, Brandon Saad for those guys that to bounce back and, and, and really, you know, it'd be interesting to see what they're made of uh, when people are doubting them, which is crazy to think that guys have won three cups and some people are doubting them. All right. I got one last question and it's, it's a dumb one. So I, um, I am not much of a skater and you know, I can, I can ice skate a I little bit. Skate. Alex can, can surely not. But yeah. when, right before you're lifting the Stanley cup, was there even like a moment in your mind where you're like, am I going to be, could I be the first guy to drop the Stanley Cup? <laughs> no, that never <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how heavy? Like, it's pretty heavy, isn't it? It's got to be. It's like 35 pounds. Oh, I'd, I'd be like... dropping that immediately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious. Yeah, I would be the first guy to just sit down with it and have someone just push me around <laughs> the ice. That would be the only way I could do it. <laughs> All right, so that was Jamal Mayers. That was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, he gave us a lot of cool, uh, those were a lot of cool stories. I love hearing about him going against Hosa. Yeah. Just not moving him. So he's just like a steel beam of a man. on And um, fast and quick and agile. Jeez, I mean. Other than that. It, I like. Uh, I think that last year, like, such a big part of why we, there was such a big drop-off. I mean, it, it had to have been him. Well, there were games, I remember watching games, where Hosa would be the offense for a while. Like, mm-hmm. nothing would be working. He'd just take the puck in and skate around everybody on their team and at least get a shot. All right, well, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun, and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. And hopefully we'll be coming with uh, to you in the future with a few more interviews. I think that uh, we got some cool ones that we're going to have lined up in the future, so I hope you keep listening and maybe, you know, give us a subscribe on, on iTunes. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Bye.